Okay, welcome back to Currently Concordia. Again, we are in the hall building on the second floor, and with us today we have Luciana Gravota. What's up? Hey. Hi. All right, you're talking to us about climate change. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, well, I went uh, on Wednesday to the Political Science Students Association um, talk on the politics of climate change, and um, the talk really sparked some emotions from the audience. I mean, during the question and answer period, one Concordia student said that while he listened to the talk, he felt ashamed to be part of the human race. Wow. Of all, yeah, because of all the damage we're doing to the environment. Um, a history professor got up and angrily said that the scientists are the one to blame for our environmental problems. Um, they Whoa. promise quick fixes in exchange for money. Um, and that the ones who come up with the what he called harebrained schemes for the politicians, well, those are the scientists. So people were getting pretty upset. I after mean, this what talk. about you personally? I mean, you were there. You're a scientist. You, like, how did you feel with all this like anger going around? Well, I mean, I think some of the some of the um, uh, some of the comments uh, were a little. I guess ignorant. I would say some people said, "Well, the solutions. I mean, we're, we're we have biofuels. We have all this technology to to get biofuels rolling. Like, let's just use that." That's, and it was funny because the guy who said that the reason he knew about this was because he went to a lecture talk by BP. Uh, uh, yeah. So I I said, you know what? Your information is a little one-sided, <laughs> and clearly BP is going to be pushing forward that we should still consume as much as we want because we have these technologies in place now. But really, I mean, well, the star. Of right. I mean, that's a big that's a big argument. Said that we're going to catch up to with technology. We're going to catch up right. to climate change. Do you right. buy that? Well, I mean, there were. <laughs> I I was shocked by some of the things that uh, the main speaker, Pat Mooney, said. Uh, he's the executive director of uh, the Action Group on Erosion Technology and Concentration. He's actually regarded as an authority on issues of global governance, corporate concentration, and intellectual property monopoly. He also won the Pearson Prize from Canada's Governor General in 1998. And, I mean, this is what he had to say. Uh, he was talking about... Uh, geoengineering um, hmm. and it's it's actually kind of scary basically the idea is that we can manipulate temperature or weather systems at a global scale uh, and one project that's actually been proposed and that countries are actually investing in or tried to invest in was solar radiation management now the idea is to create artificial volcanoes that will Whoa. spew particles into the air and cover the sun in certain parts of the planet. So this would lower the the atmospheric <laughs> temperature. That's the opposite of what you should be doing. Wow. Really? Yeah, and, and so <laughs> they say that this would solve our global warming problem. Now, there's a lot of issues with this. Quick fix. First off, global warming doesn't just mean temperatures rising. It means more extremes of temperature. Right, it's right? change. It's not just exactly. warming. Right. Exactly. So, um, so he's saying that basically... Um, Another problem that can arise from this is that they don't know the outcome. I mean, they're changing things at a massive scale, and they don't know what's going to happen. So, And he was saying that global weather patterns are actually very complex. 
Uh, you guys have heard of the butterfly effect, right? So mm, this would great movie, great oh, movie. Yeah. Well, but basically, this would be the same thing, right? I mean, one of the effects of doing of spewing particles in the air and covering the sun could be, for example, um, shifting Asian monsoons. What would happen? Asia would have droughts. Oh, no more no. food for the Asian people. So the Asian I mean, people. <laughs> the Asian no food people, for you. You have no food anymore. No, but I mean, really, these are some. Some actually, I would call them harebrained schemes. This is the appropriate time to call these kinds of schemes harebrained schemes. But what are you trying to do tonight, Pinky? Who's going to fund this stuff? Really? A lot of governments really? are supporting this because they are cheaper than actually reducing carbon use and emissions well in the short term geez. in the long term it's going to be very expensive because if we mess things up then there's no going back i What's just want to remind our listeners that we're listening to luciana gravoto we're having a discussion about climate change right here in the mezzanine on the second floor of the hall building on currently concordia on currently concordia go ahead well um so wait a second have you what's that movie where they drill to the center of the earth because the earth's core stops spinning i think because it's called the core yeah that's kind of like what i feel like it's going to happen <laughs> Because the government did all these crazy things, like, we'll make the Earth start You spinning. can't see how Luciana Gravetta, our science uh, correspondent, is looking at Melissa like she is super silly. But it's so super true, silly. That's like the kind of craziness that this sounds like. Well, I just think uh, the main message that Mooney had was that obviously there are all these te new technologies and ways that we think we can battle climate change. Mm. But the problem is that there's no oversight. No one is trying to look at how, how this is going to affect our planet and us in the long run. So he was saying that it's really, um, so he was basically comparing the world and its view on climate change by looking at what's changed between the UN Earth Summit in 1992 and what's going to happen now um, in the UN Sustainable Development Conference that's going to take place in Rio this year. So what's happened in those 30 years? Basically, he's saying that, well, he's not very positive about it. I mean, even though in 1992, the vibe was really positive, there was a lot of general agreement. Um, and, you know, in the last 40 years, we've seen 500 international agreements and conventions on the uh, environment. The problem is that all the infrastructure set up to evaluate the set of the the state of climate and the impact on technology was dismantled. So in 1993, the UN got rid of the Science and Technology for Development Committee, whose job was evaluation. The US had a similar committee that disappeared after it heavily critiqued the um, the sorry. <laughs> I got distracted. I'm supposed to speak closer to the mic. These mics are tricky. <laughs> They're very tricky. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, all these oversight bodies have just been disappearing. And by losing these, we lose our ability to evaluate the sustainability and impact right, of technologies. Right. I just want to jump. I think just it ties into our last discussion. I think a lot of people are thinking short term. Do they want to take the, the minimal... They don't want to take the long-term risks, and I think it's the exact same thing with sustainability. How do you convince people right now to take risks for the future when they might not even be around for this big global climate change thing? You like, well, it's kind of right. like some of the scare tactics. Like some people say, like in ten years, all ice caps will be melted and and all this. Right, but you think you're just scaring? No, the yeah, people. no, I do. Well, I think that with scare tactics, the problem is it's a very it's a tricky problem because it's either if you don't scare people, people won't care. But if you do scare people, people start looking for facts, and when they find out these facts are not true, then they start thinking, oh, maybe. 
the whole thing's not true. Well, if it's not going to happen in 10 years, like they said it 10 years ago, that all like, you know, they've been saying it since the 70s that all the ice caps would be melted well, within problem, a decade. I mean, the main problem is that this is not something that's far ahead in the future. It's happening now. No, exactly. There are many changes that are really detrimental yeah. to us and the environment that are happening right now. And it's not that we can just sit around, twiddle our fingers mm -hmm. and think, what should we do in 10 years? It's yeah. something needs to be done right now. And a lot, and the reason people have doubt and are saying, "Oh yeah, they said the same things in the '70s," like this is all a lie. Well, you know what? Those the studies that are saying that those have been funded by oil lobbies. That's true. so the general consensus in the scientific community, and they've put forward many position papers on this, is that it's a reality and it's happening now, and we need to do something now. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's really sad that a lot of people have these doubts that that the lobbies have really instilled yeah. these doubts in our mind and it's easy you know it's someone uh, one of the speakers here uh, let me just get her name Desiree McGraw she was saying what it is it's an uncomfortable truth Not a an lot of people uncomfortable uncomfortable wow. inconvenient truth well, yeah exactly <laughs> also it's like Al Gore who like won a Nobel Prize for like his like PowerPoint presentation. So I think a lot of people are like, well, whatever, you know, it's, that's ridiculous. And then. Real and then quick, I, I, I know, Melissa, you are a lot more critical on this well, than because, your because leading Because people are all listeners. like, People are all like, oh, you know, we should stop driving all these cars and stuff and such like that. But then there are things like meat industry and all that that people completely ignore, which make like a million carbon emissions and like could or way more than any cars. People just don't know these things. Like you have to break it down simply, but no one's willing to like stop eating meat or, you know, start riding bikes all over the city like not everyone's gonna do this so it's kind of like there are a lot of different things and people seem to be taking like one approach like if we knock this out then it'll be fine but it's like a whole it's a whole transition that has well, to happen I mean and you know what that's exactly what William Marsden one of the speakers talked about he said that each product that we buy and that gets produced not only comes with a monetary price tag but a vested interest yeah. price tag so there's banks investors factory workers politicians they mm. all have a stake in increased productivity which translates to more carbon emissions that's true. So, you know what? It's it's wrong to think that we can negotiate climate change. Yeah. You know, what's being negotiated is wealth. That's true. And it's it's just it's hiding the real issue. And you know what? It's it's not that people are going to have a hard time adjusting, riding bikes, eating less meat. It's the vested interest. I'm going to have to stop you there. We're going to have to leave you oh, there. Thank you so good, much for the conversation. Great combo. Thanks a lot. <laughs>